My name's Andy, pastor here, among many other shepherd leaders here at Water's Edge Church. We exist to love God and others in Christ. And just as Casey, who is just an awesome leader, said, we're in a series called Adulting, Growing Up as We Become More Childlike. Speaking of children, I want to welcome our young tweeners in here. Hello, tweens. Good to see you, ladies. We love it when you're with us. We need you, as uh, the, the scriptures will talk about later. We need you. And uh, we, again, the series about maturing as well as becoming more childlike. And there's a paradox there. We're rooting this conversation in the letter of, to the Ephesian church where Paul writes almost in the middle, he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead... Speaking the truth in love. Everybody say truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. That we are called to put off our childish ways while at the same time put on our childlike ways. Just as the beginning states and we'll see in our passage today. For he, God, chose us in God, in him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. That means to be innocent. In his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. That word adoption, sonship, means that we have primary place in God's family, men and women, in accordance with his pleasure and will. And there was a bookmark that we gave out. I see there are a few more people here. Did anybody get a bookmark for this series? Just if you're like diving deep, you can have that bookmark. You ladies, I think you got one. I think there's some good-looking people right here that could get a bookmark. Anybody else? Nancy? Demetria, Mackie, okay, sweet. In this bookmark, it shows that there are two main themes happening in Ephesians. It's this idea of love and power, love and power, and the book's actually divided in two parts. The first three chapters talks about your identity, who you are, and then the second three chapters, four through six, talk about our calling, our responsibility, how we are to live. And to expand on it, the first three chapters are about the original gospel story and the collective identity we share, the unity we have among us, as well as the diversity among us that we celebrate. That God's brought all different people, all different nations, tribes, as we talked about last week. It's a cross-cultural, both the cross of Christ brings us this cross-cultural ministry that is the church for the sake of the world. And then the second half really talks about the continued gospel story in our lives, our continued stories in Christ and the collective responsibility we care, we carry and care about. And we're finishing the first half today with a, one of the most amazing prayers that you see in the New Testament. I've spent, and I was in a group that spent three months in this prayer and I still kind of don't get it. So I just want to let you know I'm a novice here as we dive into this really rich prayer. But before we dive in, we've been in some pretty, what's the right word, tense conversations Talking last week about uh, race and the cross-cultural nature and the ethnic representation that is a church and the different socio-political goggles we have. We've talked a week prior about trust and some of the sexual principalities that exist back then and then today in terms of gender and our sexuality and the sex that we have and God celebrates our sex. So it's been a very formational conversation. And if you've missed those conversations, these are great conversations to have, by the way, when everybody's on vacation. But that's okay because <laughs> there is a podcast. I think there's a picture of that podcast 
Uh, you can listen to those conversations. We do have a podcast. It's just, it's the rave of like SoCal. You don't know about it. It's, it's like a speakeasy. It's this little hidden place that's awesome. You couple those conversations with our need to, to have fun, to play. God designed us to play. Our need to dance in the truth of who we are. You couple all those conversations up and you realize this, this first three chapters is deeply formational, not just personally, but collectively. It forms us as a community. And there's a prayer that we're going to read in a bit. In fact, we're going to pray it as well. That it, it creates a necessary hinge point that transitions our being in Christ to then our doing in Christ. It's what fuels it. It's what fuels it. It's, it's, and if you have the bookmark, you can see there's like this sweet little representation. Nerd talk right now, we've talked about this idea that chiasm, you remember a chiasm, the meat in the center? A chiasm is a literary device in which themes or ideas are presented and then inverted in a mirror-like fashion if that seems like too much for you, all you need to know is that the center is where the meat is. Everything is directing towards the center. You see a, a theme, it's repeated later on, another theme repeated later on, and then you get to the middle. And this prayer here fuels the center of what Paul's getting at, that he says in Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner of the Lord, as someone who's submitted to Christ, loved by God, we need to live lives worthy of the calling we, we receive. We we need to live into the worth that he gives us freely. And this prayer that he gets fuels anything that we do. But before I, I share about that prayer, I wanted to share a quick anecdote uh, from my own life. A few years ago, I was surfing with my brother right there. It's Greg. He's my brother. If you don't know, we're related through our wives. But at this point, it's been a couple years. I feel like we're brothers. And he and I were surfing Torrey Pines one day, and it was... It was longboard day. We had an 80 and a 96, these big boards, because there was these sizable waves, but there were these slow, slopey waves. And we're like, let's just go down there and surf. And it was a fun, I think, midsummer, maybe early fall morning, where there was no one out except for maybe two other guys in the water. And he and I were just longboarding, having fun, trading off boards, having a great time. It was great, great time. It's, what, it's really good for us. By the way, there's a group of ladies who are surfing on Saturday mornings, beginning on the, whatever, the next Saturday, if you want to join them. Ladies, you're free to join them. You can email jenfahala at gmail.com to join or just talk to Casey. While I was out in the water, <clears throat> I saw somebody I hadn't seen in years. It was my first boss from the company I worked with out of college. It's been about 18, 20 years since I saw this person. And yes, I did graduate college at age 10. Now, uh... I saw my boss there. It was a general contracting industry. I thought you'd like that, dude. By the way, Luis, thank you for sharing your gift with us, dude. That cello, so, so good, dude. <laughs> Luis also brought some salsa that he wants to share with you all as well afterwards. And can tell you we can get more of that salsa. I saw somebody out in the water. I'm all over the place. I'm coming back in. I saw somebody out in the water. It was my boss, my very first job. Here's the thing. I did not like that boss. He's one of the people that I, I like to dislike. Maybe in my worst part of my life, I, I, I use the H word. That I just have a deep enmity towards this person. That in that situation, it was a rough season. We, uh, we did not get along. He had so many unstated expectations in that job. I mean, construction in and of itself is a tough job. Couple that with somebody who didn't give you much guidance and verbal abuse, and it's not a good thing. I remember one season prior to leaving that job, he gave me a lot of threatening talk. 
to which I ran back in the office and threatened him back. And it was one of those things um, where I was just like, whoa, what is coming over me? And I just left. It was a Saturday morning. Of course, I was working on Saturday, unstated expectations. And I remember just walking the streets until I entered into this Catholic church by my home and just thinking like, God, why am I at this job? Why am I dealing with this work? Soon thereafter, I left the job. Thank, by God's grace, I got a great job downtown in an engineering firm. It was awesome. Casey, we worked near each other. That was sweet. And I never really talked to this person much. I think there was no closure really there after I left. We'll call this person John. And I didn't see John for a while. Maybe once or twice, but then it had been like a decade or two. And here we are in the water, face to face. Face to face. And he just caught a wave. He's a stand-up paddler, older. And I said, hey, John. How's it going? Because we're eye to eye, you know. Uh, it's good to see you. That was a great wave. And, and the response, this, this kept, it's so paramount. It's so healing. His response was, who are you? <laughs> it's Andy Kelly. It's Andy Kelly. Oh, do we work together or something? I was like, yeah, we, we did work together quite a few years ago. Okay. And I was like, it's good to see you. And he's already paddling away. Already paddling away. <laughs> it's so healing. Can you feel the healing? But I remember telling Greg about that conversation. You remember that? It was, it's like blurry in your mind. It wasn't a big deal. <clears throat> but actually, it was really healing. And here's why. Because a few years after I switched jobs... I really wanted to take hold of the faith. I wanted to take hold of Christ as Christ took hold of me. And I committed to praying for John. I think I even sent him a letter at some point, but I would pray for him. Whenever that dark season in my life would come to my mind, I would lift up John. I'd be like, all right, Lord, you love John. I pray, Holy Spirit, that he be filled with your love in your life, that you know him, God. You know his deep need for you, Holy Spirit. Would you overcome him with your comfort, your beauty, your grace, your truth, your mercy, your justice? Do what you can only do, Lord. Into your hands, Lord, I commit John. That's a wonderful prayer. I think most of the time I was like, oh, Lord, you love that guy. Amen. Because that's sometimes what you got in you. And both prayers are equally okay in the Lord's sight. Is that me? Okay. And something happened as I kept praying that prayer. The Lord changed my heart, transformed me. I saw both John and our shared brokenness, our mutual, even when I prayed right there, our deep need for God. And that, that prayer was, over time, a transforming experience for me that led to a deeper John and, and likely a deeper love for myself in God through me. And the question I have for you today, I, I kind of wrote some questions in, is, is there someone in your own life that may be difficult to love? Is there someone in your own life that maybe uh, you might even love to hate at times? Is there somebody? To think about that person. Let the Lord bring that to mind. And maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a person group. We've been talking about powers and principalities, and that's led to conversations about different people and people groups. And as you recall, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's about these collective forces that try to influence people and people groups. Sometimes the hardest people to love are those who are closest to us. Right now, I got my parents in town, my nephew and nieces, and they got to deal with me. So you should be praying for them. No, they're awesome. But yeah, is there somebody in your life that's hard to love? Let the Lord bring someone, somebody or someones. 
Think about that, because we will pray for them later. It's a very critical moment that Paul writes in his letter. He writes this, verse 17 being Ephesians 3, and we'll read it in total in a bit. But this is the center. This is the X. And I pray that you, you all, me too, being rooted and established in love, may have power. That word, those three words, may have power, is actually the center of the letter. May have power, but that power is drenched in love. Love fuels that power. That power is made to love, which, as you see, continuing together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Can we all say wide and and louder this time? Deep. That is it to drench ourselves in prayers about God's love for ourselves and others. And I think a simple thesis statement, a main idea that you would have for today could be how we see ourselves and how we see others deeply affect or change the way we live. How we see ourselves and see others deeply affect the way we live. But I don't like it. I don't like how that sounds. It sounds good. It borrows from modern psychology. It's not on the notes, Greg. Because it's not good. It's not what the Lord has for us. It's not what the Holy Spirit wants to say through the apostle. This prayer is deeply formational. It's the heart of what it means to the Christian. So the true main idea is this. Knowing God, not just knowledge about God, knowing God and prayerfully experiencing God's love changes the ways we see and thus how we live. That is the heart of what it means to be a Christian knowing God and prayerfully experiencing God's love changes the way we see and thus how we live. It's not just knowledge. It's not about Bibles and knowing Hebrew, Greek, or other languages. It's not about memorizing songs. All that's pretty dope. But it's a treep knowing of God. Like, Lord, you are with me. I am with you. Changes the way we see the world, the way we see others, the way we see, as MJ said, that man in the mirror or that woman in the mirror. It's this knowing of God is that song we just sang, that lean back song, as an all-loving and all-powerful parent and putting down roots, setting up shop there, and God's deep, deep love for us and his ridiculous affections towards us. As Augustine, the great saint from Hippo, Africa, he says, my weight is my love. My weight is my love. And wherever I am carried, my love is carrying me. Any substance I got is my love, but that love's not even my own. It's carrying me. So we all kind of know this. God loves us. It's like one of those simple, is this a love sermon? Yes. But the implications are paramount. They're paramount. Essentially what we're saying is if we are not covered by God's love, our church's mission, our best management practices our good personal Christian habits, they're almost useless. Definitely fleeting if we don't set up shop in God's love when we talk about all these conversations that we've been talking about. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean there's not effort here. There's not effort here. It's just our greatest effectiveness requires effort in praying into the love of God. Sometimes in the Western world, we, we falsely dichotomize mission and action and, and contemplation and prayer, but these two were always meant to be tied together. We need to redouble our efforts. We got a basketball camp this week, Mac. 
We got to be praying it up so that kids can experience the love of God. You know what I'm saying, baby? You know I love you. You know the Lord loves you. Sit in that love. It's like that chair holding you up, son. So what kind of prayer are we talking about? Great question, Harper. We're going to read that prayer. Let's read it right now, and then we're going to pray it a bit, okay? So this is our scripture today. This is our prayer for today, all right? We're reading from Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. I'll start it up, and then I'm going to invite some other people to come pray it up for us. Paul writes, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. That word is pater, from whom every family, patria, in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen? That's a good prayer. Now we're going to pray it up. I want to invite up some of my ladies to come up and pray this prayer. And now I want you, we just read the New International Version. That's you. I want you guys, I want you ladies to read the Water's Edge Version. Okay? And I want you all to take this in. You can listen, you can read, but this is our prayer today. This is our prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen water's edge with power through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in the hearts of those within water's edge through faith. I pray that water's edge, being rooted in and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge and those within water's edge may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him is able and measurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within water's edge. To him be glory in the church and and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Good prayer. It's good to stop and pray. We're going to do it again. I told you we got a basketball camp where we have a lot of kids coming who may not know the love of Christ. And so... We had our younger generation pray for us. I'd like to think of somebody in, in maybe our, a little bit older generation. I'm looking for somebody handsome. Somebody who would, if you came from that line, that would be some really good stock. So, Pop, come on up, dude. <laughs> Hold up, Dad. I need to get you a mic. This is my dad. He's going to be coaching the camp. He's a 50-year basketball coach. 
actually. You can... Boop. And again, pray with him as he reads these words. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen the coaches and little players this week with power through this, his spirit in all of our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in the hearts of those sweet kids and a few rascals through faith. And I pray that these children, your children, God, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that these young impressionable souls may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within coaches, volunteers, kids and parents, as well as water's edge and your greater church. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Dad. You got it. Knowing God and ex prayerfully experiencing God's love changes the way we see and thus how we live. So the follow-up question for us as Water's Edge is what kind of environment do we, Water's Edge, need to cultivate, uh, need to cultivate these kind of prayers? Let me say that again. What kind of environment do we need to cultivate these kind of prayers? That's what I'm interested in because if we need God's love, and we want to be effective as a church for God's sake because we are responding to God's love, what type of prayer environments do we need? Okay, and that's a simple question I'm asking based on the scriptures today. And the first thing is, and we just did it, so all right, here we go, one down. We need to stop and pray. <laughs> just got to stop and pray. We don't even need to. We just stop and pray. We stop and pray. I mean, Paul is extrapolating, extrapolating one of the most theologically dense conversations there is. He's talking about the cross-cultural ministry of Jesus, his role in it, the humility there is, as well as uh, the importance of his calling, and then he just gets on his knees and crafts this amazing prayer. He stops and prays. It's, it's easy to say to stop and pray, isn't it? Hard to do. It's risky. It's risky being up there, huh, ladies? Like, I don't want, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, not saying. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's risky, it's vulnerable. Feels like you can do it wrong, which we just say, no thanks. We say nay to that, everybody say nay. Nay. The, the mystery of this kind of prayer is that anybody can do it at any time, anywhere, any place. And at the same point, paradox, as we continue to do it, we grow in it. My favorite time we had this summer thus far was praying on the beach and, and receiving from these two prayer warriors later over here, Mary and Danielle, who were just heating it up with prayer. I was loving on it. I think we got a picture of it. We're praying for Grant. Uh, just, yes. I love his back in that picture, so big and strong. But I loved hearing you all, and I want to continue to do this as a church, to take deeper risks. In fact, when Casey talked about that connections in our house, I want to talk about what it means not only pray, but maybe to, part to hear a word from God and to offer that word to God to our community 
or to others at any time. That's, that's an important conversation I want to have when you guys eat some food in my house, and we will cook it up and hopefully pray it up. August 9th, say the day. I also am looking forward to, on August 27th, the fiesta at the Faulkner Farm. We're going to make church happen that night. Instead of a 10 a.m. gathering, it's 5 p.m., and I think at that point we can all get there on time. <laughs> Zinger! No, we'll get there. It'll be great. And there's going to be food, prayer, and worship. It's going to be dope. We're going to have fun. No shame in that game. But we, need, we are invited to, by God, at any point in our lives, to stop and pray. So you all thought about somebody. You prayed about somebody in your life that's difficult to love. I'm going to give us one of the most greatest gifts you can have, a simple breath prayer when that person comes to your mind. If it's somebody far from you or maybe sitting right next to you in the room. It's this breath prayer. It's like this, okay, you breathe in, inhale. God, you love me. Exhale, I love you. Inhale, God, you love me. Exhale, I love John. By your love, I love John. The breath, it's your breath in our lungs. There it is right there. And by bonus, God, inhale, God, you love John. Exhale, may John love you. Three breath prayers that over time will change things. If they're hard to memorize, it's just breathing in love, exhaling love. Breathe in love, God, you love me. Always start with God loving me. It's helpful. Exhale, I love you, Lord. Breathe in. Exhale, I love whoever. And that's by God's strength, not our own. Even if it's just for that one breath. Even if it's just that one breath. Inhale, God, you love John. Exhale, may John love you. I want you all to practice this for a moment or two. You got it down? Make sense? I can email it out, no problem, or text you. But the first invitation to create an environment where we pray these type of prayers is just to stop and pray, to pray for that person. The second invitation, I believe, and this is really helpful, and it's kind of intuitive, so I'm just going to name that, that first, in order to create this type of environment, we need to stop and pray. The second thing we need to do is to free to get lost in prayer as we get lost in God's love. Just to lose ourselves, to actually do it wrong. Just, I mean, that's what Paul's talking about. He says here, I pray that out of your glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Amen. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, here you are, you're praying in love. You're there, you feel firm. You have the power, together with all the Lord's power, people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You're rooted in it. At the same time, it's something you get lost in. Your mind just starts to wonder just how God can love each and every person so much. Despite what they think or believe. There's principalities and powers in this world. They love power. God's power is made to love. It's just that simple. There's different forces that will drive us, the church including, church especially, to, to take hold of power. But any power we have is just to be, to get lost in love. That means when you're praying for somebody and you don't know where to start, you're like, all right, Lord, you love me. That's an easy place to start. 
That means as you're praying and you kind of get lost, your mind wanders, happens to me nine out of 10 times, you let God's love anchor you back in. Like, oh, here I am, I'm in your love. When you're trying to finish and you don't know how to finish, you're like, Lord, you love that guy. You love that guy. You love these people. You just end it there. You just get lost in love. So many of us, so many of us are looking for direction in life in different arenas, whether they're large, direction, large shifts or small shifts. Most of life's greatest directions happen when we get lost in love. Meaning whenever you're in the shower and you're just hanging out and not thinking about your day, just grateful to be in the shower, and you get that moment, you're like, oh, I need to do this. That you're getting lost in the moment and that's when God gives you the greatest direction. When we get lost in praying, God gives us the most clear directions. When we get lost, he disrupts our plans, he has better plans, he gives clarity. The invitation is to get lost, just to think in this love and not to overthink it. A lot of people ask me, hey, what's your one-year plan for the church? And that's a fair question. If the presupposition is, hey, like, how is the Lord speaking to you about where we may go next? That's a helpful question. When people ask me, like, what's your three- or five-year plan? I'm like, what? The only answer I got is I'm, I'm celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking that question. <laughs> no, and it's okay to have plans, no doubt. But Christian spiritual discernment is, discernment is way much more in the moment and the greatest place to start from is getting lost in God's love. I know it's intuitive. Too intuitive, Coco, or you feel like it's okay? You feel good about it? All right. She kind of keeps me clear. We stop and pray. We feel free to get lost in God's love. And the last thing I want to say is that we receive from the generations among us. This isn't just us praying on ourselves. It's us praying together with others, particularly young and old. We need them as much as anything else. Paul writes this, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Every follower of Jesus, whether they are 10 or 80, have been equipped by Jesus to give us strength through prayer. Every follower of Jesus is equipped by God, via the Holy Spirit, to pray for us. And we've talked a lot about different principalities. I'm going to name one more principality that is rarely noted, and that is ageism. That's where we stereotype and typically discriminate, discriminate against those who are particularly older than us, though it does fall towards kids as well by the very nature of ageism. And in the church, we need to take hold of the wisdom who've, of those who've gone for us. We need to take hold of those who've, who've walked longer times, who've cried longer tears, who've experienced more times of trouble, and, and to have them be praying for us, to give them a voice where the rest of the world wants to take it away. We need their wisdom. And we also need the kids' wonder. When I was in Israel, I never understood what it meant to engraft a tree but what there is is these old olive trees, 400, 500 years old, and they, the reason why they live, the reason why they are sustained is that you take young olive trees, you just take branches and you put them right by their roots. The church is made to exist for young and old. We need the prayers of those young and old because they buoy us who may be in the prime of our lives. Because we, 
who may be in the ages 30 through 50, we think we know it and we don't know it. We're still learning just like the young learners and the older learners. You know what I'm saying, Greg? We do that, don't we? We're like, yeah, come on. We need these older generation. Because the truth is there are no grandparents in heaven and there are no grandkids in heaven. You are my daughter, but you are my sister in Christ. You are my pop, but you're my brother in Christ. So may we receive from each other freely. Can I get an amen, Lita? Amen, all right. So I want to take a moment just in this last bit of time together just to pray together, to stop and pray. And I want us to co-mingle. I want to see young and old intermixed. So if you want to get up out of your chairs and receive from somebody, share what's going on in your life. Just take a moment and say, I could use prayer for this. I need help here. This is happening in my life. Would you please pray with me? I just have one person pray for them. So I'm thinking my vision, I'm kind of getting lost to the vision, but maybe two or three people get together and you just pray for one another, all right? I'll pray up that time so we can pray up that time. So Lord, would you give us courage, courage to be weak? Would you show us the beauty of shared brokenness? Help us to receive freely from anyone and everyone here. Lord, we say yes to you again. And would you anoint this time so that we would stop and pray, rooted and at the same time, free and lost in your love. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to pray it up with, before the band comes up. So you guys are gonna take some time. I'll, we'll talk about coming in. We're gonna pray together. Proud of you all. So the next steps are simple. It's practicing those breath prayers. I think they're... Um, on the screen. I keep looking that way. Yeah, in times of trouble, there's, this is a good one. Root me in your love, God, and then exhale, set me free from blank. You can kind of create your own, by the way. You just kind of do your own thing as long as they're, I feel like, fairly honoring to you and to God. Pretty good. So, but, uh, and then there's the, the classics, God, you love me. I exhale, I love you. The breath coming in, the breath coming out. Um, also in a note is in two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about these spiritual offices that are detailed in Ephesians 4 and 11, 12, that some are called to be apostles, some prophets and evangelists, teachers and pastors. And there, this is a calling for us to fulfill these offices, which are different, a little bit different than spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts kind of fall under that, lar- that, that larger umbrella, which are the offices, and uh, I'd love for us to take an assessment. I emailed it out this week. It was kind of hitting. I'll email it and text it out probably once or twice more, but to take that assessment before we, t- before we discuss that. And that'll be not for next week, but the following week. Next week, we're meeting here uh, for our gathering. And the following week, we're meeting on the beach, both at 10 a.m., both at 10 a.m. We just did the July 2nd one because it was July 4th weekend, but we, I feel like we can do 10 a.m. on the beach on August 6th where we're talking about the offices. And we have some great... Uh, great speakers going to be that night, day too, which is going to be fun. So take the assessment. And then thirdly and lastly, volunteer in our kids' ministry in some shape or form. That can be on Sundays. There's some other fun things that are happening throughout the week that I'm excited about and the year. And speaking of the year, save the date for Catalina. Who's going to Catalina? Can I get a holla? Come on. Tell somebody, Lord. Don't give me that. This is, you say, Lord, yes, this is what I want. I don't want this. I want this. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Two hands up in the air. Okay? You're, you're, you're welcome not to come, but I want you there, Mayor Bear. Eric, you're there, okay? And then we also have a great little short-term mission trip happening in La Mission, which is about 50 minutes south of the border. It's a two-night stay at an orphanage uh, 
called Door of Faith. And I would love for us to go down there. There's different ways that they're asking us to serve there. Matt went for the first trip on our excursion trip. Uh, you want to talk to him about it or talk to me or, or Claire, we'd love to talk about that trip with you. All right? So with that, we're just going to say our benediction together. It's from 2 Corinthians 13, 14, I believe. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.